back to the Why Hockey Periodically Wondering How Is It Already the Regular Season podcast. This stuff goes by simultaneously like it takes forever, and yet it, the calendar you look at it, it's like, oh, the regular season's starting today, the day you're hearing this. I can't believe that it's already this fast, Tommy. And uh, It feels like just yesterday we were uh, yes. bemoaning the end of the Stanley Cup final, and now look at this. Yep. I don't know if it was because the Panthers went further in the playoffs than whenever we've watched them before but you know it's it felt like august and september flew by uh and it you know i'm simultaneously ready for it but completely unprepared for the season because it feels like i've just adjusted to the off season I, I think it feels like that because usually Panthers offseason started early May. And then now this year it started in the middle of June, which is quite rare. And yes, we are not complaining about it. By the way, because this is the first podcast for the new season, every comic book is somebody's first. Every podcast is somebody's first. So if you are listening to Why Hockey for the first time, uh, my name is Matt Lichtenstadter. You'll hear me as Matthew Aaron sometimes when I do play-by-play broadcasts, wherever I may do them. Uh, this is Why Hockey, a Florida Panthers show primarily, but you're also going to hear talk about the Philadelphia Flyers because me and my wonderful co-host, Tommy Krulikowski, we've been doing this for a very long time now. I don't even want to know how long we've been doing this. It's, it's been a minute. Uh, he is the one of the founders of Why Hockey. I kind of inherited it. This is his thing, and he's been so gracious to let me do it for as long as we have. So again, thank you, Tommy. As we start the season, I don't thank you enough for that. And being the wonderful co-host that we... Uh, that we have been able to find this chemistry that we, we work together well over all these years. So, again, thank you for letting me do it. And uh, another season that we're doing this, it's, it's going to be a great trip. Of course. You know, some people, they dream of hosting their own podcasts. They <laughs> dream of being the number one quarterback. Others, they like being the backup quarterback. They like being the backup host. And uh, that, that's it for me. I, you know, I don't want to say that you're better. Blaine Gabbert. That's a very rude thing of me to say to you, and I would never say that. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, um, but I, I, I very much feel comfortable with the role and happy for what should be the first season where the Florida Panthers have real expectations that they really can live up to, and should live up to. And, you know, with that, I guess, you know, let's just kick off the podcast. A couple uh, other things before we get to it. Just, again, a little intro on what yeah. you might hear on, the, on Why Hockey as we go well, let's through get the it going season. So we can, let's get it going so we can get to that. Because yes. I, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm chopping at the bit. We, we held off on this podcast to see the waiver wire news. Oh, boy. And, uh, you before know. We, before we yell at the waiver wire, which is a Why Hockey staple... Uh, let's focus first on what you're going to hear on this podcast. It's going to be a lot of Panthers talk. There's going to be Flyers talk because both of us are Delaware Valley natives. Tommy still has Flyers loyalties. I did not much like the Flyers when I was growing up. I've grown to appreciate them a little bit more now. I'm, I'm not a fan of them, obviously. But I definitely think it's a fun team to cover, and we're going to talk Flyers. We're going to hear a lot about hockey culture. If you don't know, I'm openly bisexual. This is something I care about quite deeply. Uh, and there's a lot of hockey culture stuff we have to talk about from this offseason, sadly, and the last couple of weeks that I want to get to and hammer in some points on that. You're going to hear that throughout the show. We'll talk about the league in general. This show is Tommy and I, every other week, there thereabouts, talking about the Panthers. Talking about, that's why it's called the Periodical Podcast, yes. And we are going to talk about what we see with Florida, what we see through the season, storylines that we want to get to. 
Another show you're going to hear pretty much once a month, maybe more depending on the situation. I will be interviewing guests. All throughout the world of hockey, you'll hear Panthers writers, uh, David Dwork, George Richards, Colby Guy, they've been on this show. They're wonderful friends of ours. You'll hear multiple guests from outside of the Panthers sphere. General writers, Greg Wyshynski's been on this show multiple times. Our friend Jeff Merrick's been on the show multiple times, but he's big time now, so I don't know if we can make that happen. But Jeff is a friend of the podcast, obviously. Um, analytics, we, we are big analytics supporters, obviously, on the show. We'll talk with people about what they see around the league. Corey Schneider talked about him quite a bit. He's been on this show more times than I can count. Dom Lucision's been on the show. We've had prospect writers on the show. We'll sometimes have writers and people who cover other teams if they are going to interact with the Panthers in some way or there's a story that they can tell. Uh, so you'll see one or two of those a month, genuinely. I love doing those interview shows. That's usually just me. But you'll be seeing those. Also, whyhockey.substack.com. This is a place where we write on occasion. I'm going to try to write a little more for the Substack this year. I've been neglecting that, and that is my fault. So maybe once or twice a week, uh, tw every two weeks, I should say, to get a, a topic on the Panthers that I want to get to. The first idea for a Substack piece, probably going to come out this week, is the Panthers and their AHL development. This is going to tie into a waiver discussion we're going to have shortly. Going to look into that and look at other topics throughout the year. Last year, I think I tried to write or wanted to, I don't know if I ended up getting to it, about why the Panthers were so dramatically underperforming their expected goals numbers and some of the struggles that they had in that. I thought there was more than just they're unlucky. Also, Tommy's going to write about prospects. That is his thing. Every year, he's a huge prospects and draft guy. This, I mean, for the Flyers, it's very important because they're going to be drafting high this year, but there's always some good prospect coverage from Tommy. He's great at it, and he has a draft guide every year. So look for prospect coverage at some point. So the Substack is hopefully a place where you can find it, whyhockey.substack.com. I would also say, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. It's not called X. It's called Twitter, at MattSmusings1. You can follow at whyhockey. Uh, also, if you need a Blue Sky invite code, I might be willing to give you one. Speaking in general, uh, Blue Sky, not a bad place to hang out. It's quieter, but good people are over there. So uh, I have to say, hang out with us over there if you want a Blue Sky invite code and... Uh, Maybe I can help you out a little bit. I've got a bunch of them. Uh, let's get to the hockey. I was going to talk about a YouTube video I sent to you, but maybe we'll save that for the end of the show. Uh, Is it Roofball? If it's, it's not, not Roofball, ball, it, we, we, we made a Roofball joke on many podcasts before, but we did. I did send you a video uh, from a YouTube account that's got nothing to do with hockey, although it does have to do with work. We'll get to that later, perhaps. Let's get to this Panthers season. A fascinating season that it will be coming off winning the Eastern Conference in... One of the most enjoyable runs I follow for any of the sports teams I follow. That was so much fun. And now they have to back it up and do more in a hyper-competitive Eastern Conference. And so, do you want to start with the waiver wire stuff? Because it does lead into another discussion that we want to have about the, the roster and the general trajectory for the team this year. Uh, but be, be, Before we get to that, I just want to say... Yeah, I agree about last year's run. There are many days where I wake up or go to bed watching some of the game-winning or series-clinching goals or, or moments from the runs where I simply only have to think about ending Patrice Bergeron's career <laughs> or uh, you know, putting a dagger through Toronto Square um, when some of those games ended and Leafs fans were just stunned. Uh, you know, just turning Rod Brindamore, this, you know, strong, confident, you know, excellent head coach into a whiny, we didn't get swept, uh, you know, just 
it was just there's just so many things I can think about and I get I can get so much mileage I want to make from. one point on that very quickly because the Panthers have told the world that they have sold out the lower bowl at Emirate Bank Arena that's going to get weird to say because the, the arena's had seven right. different names I would still want to call it the National Car Rental Center but that's all right you you know what this is probably the most high class name the most befitting of a Stanley Cup contender you know out of all the names, it's a decent had. bank. I, I guess. mean, it's a decent bank. You know, it, they, it, it's got, it's a, it's not, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers has had some interesting bank names and interesting stadium names, and this Trump's a couple Center, the First Union Center. I still have a First Union oh, oh, like, the piggy FU bank Center? around somewhere. Yeah, the FU Center. Yes, yes, that was, yes. That's an all-time name, just like Ball Arena. Um, yeah, it is, <laughs> and. You, you know, so this is pretty good, and you know they. This is somebody that sponsors their helmets, and uh, you know somebody that's Remember willing to put some money the into Lexus the Lexus Lounge or whatever it was, the place where you yeah. usually see the crowds all empty. Uh, I think they call that the vault now. Which, yeah, okay, fine. But it's always good to have a bank. Always good to have a bank. Never good to have a cryptocurrency. That's no, just unfortunately, the Panthers. Uh, <laughs> They, they got away with that. It was the Miami Heat who fell into that trap. Um, I well, want to say just you know, on the... the SEC's in, into them for another thing, so we'll just True. <laughs> skip True. right past it. We talked about that on the last podcast. Uh, I do want to say just for the fan perspective on the run before we talk about this season, uh, a great way to create new fans, and I do think there are new Panthers fans now, which is why we did that intro to the show, if you're trying to catch up on the Panthers and where we think they're going to go and... You know, the media core, I don't need, we're kind of media in this case. We do cover the team as objectively as possible. When you are seeing the new fans develop, it's because they got moments. So many of them in that run. Seven overtime winners, basically an eighth because of what Kachuk did in Game 4 against Carolina. Just moment after moment after moment, that creates fans. And yeah. so that's that's why we're, we're talking about this. And I think... I've always said going down to Sunrise, it's an underrated venue to see a game, especially when it's a big game against a team that brings some opposing fans to the building. The playoff atmosphere was awesome. It came through on TV. I think the games this year are going to have a lot of fun. The openers against Toronto, that's going to be great. Um, and so good on the Panthers for taking advantage of this from a business perspective and trying to you know build and sustain this fan base now that you have a run to build on. And that's really important. Yeah. And I hope that we get to see them respond with more winning because making the playoffs in consecutive years was a huge problem for this team. They didn't really do that. Now they've made it technically four straight years. And so you build a fan base being competitive every year and being a contender every year. So to the on ice product. And uh, the reason why we didn't record this early in the afternoon on Monday, we did because we wanted to see the waiver situation. And uh, hmm. yeah, unfortunate. They've lost two players on waivers. Usually it's the Panthers claiming players on waivers and turning them into players. I mean, I can, and let's just start with Denisenko. Um, I can see putting them on waivers. That's, that's what the camp showed. I mean, I think it was, a, it's been a while now that we, we've kind of accepted that it, he wasn't going to work in Florida. He was just passed over and there just wasn't going to be enough opportunity for him, even if or when he was ready. And, you know, this year was his make or break year. I believe him when he says, you know, he put in a ton of work in the offseason. From a fin finesse and a fitness point, you know, he has the skill, he has the fitness to play in the NHL. 
he just can't seem to do the things he needs to do to have a top nine role at NHL pace. And to me, it's a that is an you know that's reflects more on development I think than the draft choice because I I think you know it's your biggest job is to get them to matriculate to the NHL and get them give them the tools and, and get them ready to play at that pace. Um, you know, there's a lot of good players in the AHL. There's a lot of good players in Europe, uh, as we're learning with uh, Uvis coming over. Uvis Malinskis. I'm going to be I, – I know. People will mispronounce Malinsky. it because it's Latvian, but hey. Hey, I'll m- mispronounce a name from any nationality. I, this is true. <laughs> you will notice throughout the show. That's why I am a broadcaster who is very, my, very – My tongue is oh, – I'm not even going to – no, I'm not even going to do it, The but, names give you tongue twisters. Um, yes. Yes, and uh, you know Harvey Filikoff and I were very similar in some yes, respects. Yes, long live Harvey. Um, yeah, I can't type either. And you know, so there's, yeah, I don't know. I think with Denisenko, it was it, just like with Borgstrom, they were good enough. They had the talent enough to make it work if they if the development was in place. A lot of the times, the prospects that make the NHL and do well for Florida are the ones that bypass the AHL. And that is something that needs to be examined by hockey ops. And I think we've already seen how changes in hockey ops and, you know, looking at things in new directions or with fresh eyes has, you know, propelled this franchise forward into the stratosphere that the core demands it be. And now that we're even better at in Kachuk, you know, I, I just think we have to develop better. Like, you know, we have to make sure Shorty doesn't fall off a cliff because he might not stay on this team long term, and he might spend a lot of years in the a lot of the year in the AHL. You know, let's make sure he's when he comes back to camp next year, he's better than the player he was in camp this year. That's been an issue that it seems like every camp prospects start over uh, on the on you know the pecking order um in you know the readiness um you know on ice and and their performance and it's just it's it's something that you can't do when you don't have that many picks and you're losing them on the waiver wire and you're going to need these kinds of players in the future when you're up against the cap which they will be every year now that is what contending demands right your point about the panthers prospects doing better if they bypass the AHL is really well noted because even if you're not talking about a prospect, if you're talking about just development in general, the guys they got off the waiver wire, you know, Forsling and Mahura, they skipped the AHL and went right to the NHL and they became very key players for them. Uh, when you talk about, yeah. you know, the players they found in free agency, the Verhages, the Duclairs of the world, when you talk about a European free agent, when you talk about also, you know, just the development that they've been able to do in the NHL itself. And apparent and apparently now that Carlson spent a couple uh, too long, too much time in the AHL, he's no longer an NHL player. He's All been one of the best defenders like, in the AHL and, and now can't make the team. It's, it's fascinating. Like, like, like it just seems for whatever reason, the, the longer you stay on the, you know, if you spend more than, half a year on this ahl team you're not making the nhl maybe that's indicative of just the you know hey better players tend to skip the ahl just by being better you know or 
it's just the trend across the league that, you know, if you're spending more time in the AHL, you're not as good overall. But, you know, some of these, some of these players at points in time were good enough to play. And I think it's incumbent when you see it, a pattern where it happens this much through years with players, it's incumbent on the franchise to do something about it. Whether they're picking the wrong players who aren't able to to adjust to the NHL pace, whether they don't have the right guys developing them, whether it's, you know, you know, in the AHL, in their own hockey ops, you know, whatever it is, they need to adjust to it because I can't imagine them all of a sudden becoming a team that has a lot of draft picks in the upcoming future. This is only going to continue. As soon as, you know, 2026 draft comes close enough that teams will want that first, it's going to be on the trade block to extend the Kachuk-Barkov window. Like, that's just where Florida should be and where they are. And, you know, it's something we harp on. And we've harped on waivers for so long. We always nitpick on waivers and say, man, they should have picked up this guy. Or, oh, no, I hope this guy doesn't get picked up on waivers. Or, you know, we're going to complain about Ludwig uh, in a little bit. Um, You know, but think about it. Where would Florida be without doing what we said to do about waivers with Forsling and with Mahora two years in a row or, or two and three years? You know, like... They got quality guys who are either top four and can jump into the top pair or on pretty much any team in the NHL or are top six and can jump into the top four with you know from a whore on pretty much any team. And a lot of teams would trade assets for them now on on you know bigger, larger, higher cap hit contracts. And, and even then, they traded a third round pick for Brandon Montour, who was incredible last season they're in nhl development and their pro scouting has gotten so much better and they talked a lot about it it's getting players into the nhl pace that they struggle with that's something they've always done and like you know what happened to drew shore or Nick oh, Shore, sorry. We're 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 pulling out we're, some whichever old Shore, names here. Whichever Shore, Devin I think, Shore, I don't know. I think Drew Nick Shore. Nick and Drew both played for the Panthers at but, some point. You know, he had a fantastic like thirty games at the NHL level, went to the AHL and could never crack the NHL again. And you and you, once that happens, twice that happens, you're like, Oh yeah, that happens. But it seems maybe it's because we pay closer detail to this team than the other NHL teams, but I mean I paid we pay close enough attention to, you know, a lot of Eastern conference teams and some Western conference teams that, you know, we, we do pick up on the trend and it does seem that Florida's in the bottom half, if not bottom third of the league in this aspect. And it's interesting because there are, I, I was looking into it and again, I'm going to write more about this on the Substack because it is something I want to look into and I don't know if I'm going to find an answer, but I thought about another team when it comes to this that is kind of in the same boat as Florida and it's the Kings and they're struggling to get their prospects to become what they expected. A lot of these guys are spending some time in Ontario with the rain and they're not making it happen. And so is it just a Panthers thing? I think other teams struggle with this too, but there are other factors. Do you have to own your AHL affiliate? 
you know, maybe the business aspects of not owning your affiliate as the Panthers do not own the Charlotte Checkers, maybe that plays a role. But the Kings own their affiliate, so is it that? Something I want to look into because Dennis Sanko being lost to Vegas, I mean, it stinks that they lost him to Vegas of all teams, but the loss development for a player who had the talent and a draft pick that we both thought, this makes sense. I understand why they're doing this. It might not have been the best player in that 2018 draft, but you totally understand why they went for what he did. Defensible pick. Defensible pick. Perfectly acceptable pick. But then you now look at where the 2015 to 18 drafts are. Uh, It's amazing in some ways that they're contending the way they are with the 2015 to 18 drafts, just giving them next to nothing. Yeah. Nothing happened in those drafts. And the 2019 draft, other than Spencer Knight has now fallen into the same path. Yeah, and and let's be honest, Spencer Knight is not sewn up. No, like that that still needs to be signed, sealed, and delivered. The contract already is. The buried cap hit already is. And, and you know, I, I you know we're we're kind of starting here, but overall, Florida Panthers has have become a well-run franchise that other franchises try to model themselves after. That's why they someone. That's why Dubas picked up Ludwig on waivers because Florida's you know shown that you can get useful defensemen at the beginning of the season, bring them into your system. It's not too late after camp, and make something of them, up their value, and keep them or move them or whatever you want to do with them. And you know Florida's Florida's shown that you know they kind of know what they're doing with defensemen. Uh, so why not pick pick from them? Uh, so. Yeah, it's just tough. It's not going to be a, you know, it's not going to, at the end of the day, you know, ultimately impact the playoff picture this year, which is still, I think, looking good. Thankfully, you know, Evolving Wild has, you know, Florida in their model leading the division, 90% likely to make the playoffs, which kind of, you know, boosts my confidence after a lot of people all offseason saying that with regression and everything, they'd be fighting for a wild card spot again. This year, I don't think that's true. I mean, I look at this team on paper, and, you know, I know we've seen what they can do on the ice in the playoffs. I don't think that's just going to go away. They might have some injuries, but I think they'll be healthy by playoffs. And if they are, you you expect a couple playoff series wins. Um, and But long term, you, you want to button up everything because if you want them to win the cup and I want them to win the cup multiple times because let's, you know, if Kachuk is this unicorn, why can't we win more than one? Teams have won more than one with a worse one-two punch than Kachuk and Barkov. And they're locked up at insane rates. We'll, we'll probably get to the Darlene contract, but that's 11-something. I would t- I would pay Barkov and Kachuk more than Darlene, and I love Swedish defensemen. I love Darlene. I Another would do thing a- you'll notice about Y Hockey, if you are new to this, we're big fans of European players, and Tommy is a huge fan of really good European defensemen. So yeah. get used so, to it. It's a bit of a meme, but in there there is a truth. Yeah, but like, you know, so given this, the goal is, yes, let's focus on the first cup, but you know, as far as structure, as far as processes, as far as, you know, drafting, developing, Zito should be thinking, I'm young enough. I'm GM now. I can go into president, and then I can go into something even higher than president here. 
and this could be a legacy for me. We could turn this franchise into a Southern Detroit Red Wings or, you know, a, you know, one of these other franchises that's, you know, really respected for just being consistently setting the tone on the best practices, being ahead of the game and, and you know, having a winning culture. They're, you know finalizing a rebuild which some people are starting to debate whether it's on track or not but i think it's you know right on track and i'm not i'm not too worried about it. we'll see this is a huge year for them so that it can all change but um you know you look at what they're doing they have top top flight they treat players well players want to sign there they have good facilities they put money into uh, their fan base, the community, growing the game, all of this stuff, they're A-plus in. You know, Pittsburgh is probably another franchise, I hate to admit, as a as a Flyers fan. Flyers do a lot of it, you know, off ice. They treat alumni really well. They hire some of them. Some. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some. I'm being gracious. I'm being gracious Okay. Them. Um, they but, even you put know, a Tim Hortons about 10 minutes away from the practice Florida, rank. I think Florida is getting to that level where the expectation is best in class in everything. You know, Maurice has shown that, you know, we had a lot to say about can he show it when it's on the line? Can he get them to play playoff hockey down the stretch? Um, You know, the way he approached last season, there's a lot of question marks in the first half because the way they were playing was losing hockey. They were losing games because of the way they were playing. They weren't generating enough. They were, you know, overcommitting defensively and still not playing well defensively. And, you know, Maurice or others may argue you have to do that to get to the second half. But I would argue that, you know, Barkov, Montour, and Kachuk scoring at one and a half points per game while playing lights out defensively for two and a half months doesn't hurt. Um, and But he's shown that he controls that locker room, that he controls the schedule, that there is, you know, a semblance of consistency, accountability, and, you know, professionalism up and down the locker room and at home on the road, uh, and there's a lot more intent and purpose. Uh, and maybe Maurice just explains that better uh, to to the media, to us, you know, his thoughts and ideas and intent behind things. But it also shows in the ice more than any of the other coaches Florida's had or, you know, some of the ones that have coached and beat Florida in the playoffs. Uh, not talking Cooper, but, you know, Islanders, uh, Devils, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I so, mean, that was the story of last year was how we were quite skeptical of the Paul Maurice. I was less skeptical, I think, than some, but there were concerns throughout most of the season. And then in the playoffs, he proved everything he said was going to happen came to pass. And he right. backed and, up his words with action. I thought he was magnificent coaching in the postseason and getting that team on the level it needed to be at to do what they did against three of the four best teams in the league. And that was a credit to him. And the challenge is now doing it again and again and again. But it is the standard that this organization holds itself to 
while also taking, you know, big risks. That's what Phil Zito has done. And changing the coach last year was a big risk, but it paid off. Matthew Kachuk yeah. trade was a big risk and it paid off. And so you need to be able to believe in your own process and believe in what you have established. And I think they're still talking about establishing the yeah. culture because even after making a cup run, like you're not there yet, you know, right. they're yeah. not there yet. And that is, and that is a good thing because it means you are still hungry. It means you are not getting complacent and it's important to not be complacent when everybody around you is as competitive as they are. And your standard, their standard, is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they're not up to Tampa's standard yet because they don't have Stanley Cups to, you know, match what they they made four finals. The Panthers have made one. So that is a good thing. And from an organizational standpoint, they've got advantages, obviously, because they're in Florida and players want to play in Florida for a lot of different reasons, taxes, but also a whole host of other reasons we could get into in the future. And I think most people know about them, but you got to take advantage of it because the joke used to be people wanted to play in Florida, but not for the Panthers. Now people want to play for the Florida Panthers, and that's a good thing. And that shows how much this organization has changed in the three years since Bill Zito has been hired. But there's still a ways to go. You can't rest on your laurels, and it looks like they have not done that. And that's a good sign. And so now let's talk about on the ice for what you're going to start to see as they play these opening games of the season. And I guess, you know, let me just finish with the Ludwig thing. The, the it, it, it just felt like they finally invested time in a defenseman that fit the need of what their defensive core was looking for. He wasn't a Racco Gudis replacement, but he threw his body around. He was defensive first. He had a good shot from the point. He, you know, could move the puck well enough and skate well enough. But he was engaging and, and would be good to stop transition. Shown well in the WHL after the draft pick. Shown well in the AHL when he was healthy. Shown well in camp and uh, this year. And I just, it, it just felt like you're throwing away a lot of time and money invested in something that you, you need. Um, and my biggest thing that I'm looking for in the in you know the first 20 games here is if they can get some sort of chemistry and consistency of the back line that they have because I don't want to be th- I don't want to be missing Ludwig. I don't want to be thinking why aren't they calling up Carlson? I want to be thinking yes, they, they they saw something in camp. They they knew that Mahora had chemistry with Riley or you know that this was going to work out and now look at them. I don't, and I want to see the guys being rotated, so it makes sense why they got so many of them and why they're carrying so many of them. Because I would have rather carried Ludwig, just to not lose him, versus you know sitting Mike Riley or whoever it's going to be on the bench for 20 games and not playing them if they're the new Casey Fitzgerald. Um, you know, so it's it. You know, I just want to. That's what I'm really the most curious about because you look up and down the forward lines, it seems that they have the duo set, right? You know, they have it's like Barkov or Hagee, you know, Kachuk, Bennett. You have that kind of set. Lundell Lostrain in or Lundell Reinhardt, at least one of those to being together uh, seems to be Maurice's preferred style. And then moving pieces around. There's a, there's a lot of wingers that can play every side. 
Um, and there's a lot of wingers who like moving up and down, including Ryan Lomberg, who can do it in a pinch. So, you know, I'm not worried about that. I'm just excited to watch them play, especially, you know, you know, the two rookies that, you know, are probably going to rotate in for their nine games and probably one sticks uh, in Sordif and uh, Samoskevich. I mean, they've they've been as advertised. They've looked like they are still playing in junior hockey in that they have the same Im- they can have the same impact through an NHL preseason that they did in in junior hockey. Maybe not the same production level, but they're creating chances. They're getting to pucks and winning pucks, you know, more than losing. They're, you know, hanging and bringing out skilled players uh, tool sets and, and and making plays and stringing plays and keeping plays alive at the NHL, you know, albeit preseason, but you know, preseason level, pushing pace, showing confidence, something that you know a Dennis Anko or um, a uh, Ian McCoshin or whatever all these other prospects that we got in the first, second, and third round in the past years haven't shown. You know, we were just talking about it with Denisenko that the ability to play at that pace, but play to their uh, potential and their ceiling at that pace, and and that you know forwards, that's all I'm looking at. Goalies, you know, you know it's going to be Bob's net. You know Stolarz is going to get the occasional game, and the thing that we watching in net is in the AHLs in Charlotte and Spencer Knight. So you know, I'm hyper focused on this defense. There's so much to talk about, it, including Paul Maurice being a stickler for having left-handed defensemen play on the left side with right-handed defensemen playing on the right side as a D pair, and they're in camp with seven left-handed defensemen. <laughs> it's incredible. Absolutely and The last incredible. time this happened was one of the years for uh, Philadelphia. I mean, the last time I can remember, I'm not saying in, in entirety of all existence, but Philadelphia did the same thing. Um, it might have been even the year they went to the Cup. Uh, they had all left-handed defensemen, and it ended up being an issue in playoff series. Luckily, hopefully for the Panthers, Montour and Ekblad will be healthy, uh, and maybe they'll add some, a right-handed defenseman or Kanunin or Benning would be ready to step up. But uh, they teams would dump it in a certain way to target all the defensemen being left-handed. So they would be, so you could better funnel them into a trap for turnovers and, and, you know, kind of like the New Jersey devils kind of lock, counter strike sort of forecheck. and teams would just hammer it, whether they were super aggressive deep in the zone on it uh, or they, you know, let them come out and, and kind of pinch them up higher. Uh, you know, it, it was something that Philadelphia had to deal with. Now that teams are smarter, they do more videos and data analysis and, you know, they do all that. I can't imagine Florida is not going to get targeted with that. I mean, if you're, if you're watching Florida games and you notice that a team's just constantly dumping it into the same corner or they're rimming it hard every time or they're just kind of doing the same thing, that's targeting the, the handedness of the defense. Um, now, I'm a firm believer that you can have lefties play on the right and righties play on the left 
uh, I didn't play, you know, junior or division one or anything, but I did play tier one and I was a left-handed, I mean, I was a right-handed defenseman on the left and I preferred that because it, it helped me defensively. It helped me on how, you know, where I struggled to break out the puck. It, it, it put me on my forehand for that. So it elevated that and made it less of a weakness and things like that. So I, you know, I can see the positives in it, but seven defensemen all of the same hand is is a lot <laughs> you know you you kind of just like you kind of don't want to have you know everybody who can take draws being a lefty you kind of at least want one or two just to give yourself some options and you know in the in the dire moments and the isolated incidents when you think it can really impact you especially later in the season or in a playoff situation where those things are more exploited um, you know, it's good to have one in your back pocket for sure. So I want to get to everything, just not totally in depth, but we have not talked about the Samuskevich thing throughout the preseason because it's hard to watch Panthers preseason it's, games. It's hard to talk. Tethering. Well, it, yeah, although it seemed to have loosened up at the end of the preseason, at least for me. Okay. Um, but either way, I, I didn't watch much of what we saw. So the Samuskevich talk for me was cool. It's but. hard to talk about because I I was just constantly just impressed where it was just like just keep going. I don't need to say anything. I don't just keep going. Like he's he's finding ways to make use of his shot. He's finding ways to, you know, be involved in plays. He's not he doesn't seem to be fatiguing too much. They gave him that uh last preseason game off which I thought uh, was, one, a great stick tap to him for his efforts that, you know, hey, you're making the roster. You don't need to play the last game. We just want to rest you so you have a better, you know, nine-game uh, tryout for us in the regular season. Uh, but there's, you know, he's just been playing really solid, sound hockey, creating chances, the, you know, the hard, hard way with his feet, you know, skating through his shots. Um, getting rebounds, talking. I mean, in the preseason, there's not many people in the seats, right? So you can hear the sounds of the ice more. I wish, you know, they turned off the commentators completely and you could just hear the sounds of the ice. Well, that's but, not nice to our friend Doug Plagans. He's, he's good. Uh, I get what you're saying. I, I personally find most of that over the top or unnecessary just because I like hearing the players, especially the goalies and the defensemen in the defensive zone. Um, it, it's it's really fun to see how they communicate, how they talk, and it really gives you a sense of, you know, what's working and how to read the D system that the coach is putting into place just by what the reads they're typically doing and what ones they're calling out for uh, over time. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it was great to hear to hear him calling for pucks, you know, wanting the puck on the power play. Um, uh, you know, I even heard him sometimes, you know, when somebody else had the puck, just kind of directing them, you know, like letting them know someone's on their back. Someone's like, he's just super engaged. He's ready for the moment. Uh, and I think he, he has the potential to stick. I really do. I think he has a chance to make it past nine games. It's a testament to him, testament to Michigan. Uh, I like the draft for pick all by Zito. the stuff that Michigan hockey is and is not. Yes, 
Yes. We'll yeah, get to we, that later. But I I think for me and, and I compared this when we lost Dennis Anko on waivers, but that pick was much like Dennis Anko's pick at the same time in the fact that there was a handful of players of forward and defensive position that I thought they could go with at that time. And he was somebody I was good. I was okay with them taking because it shows, you know, skill that fits the modern game, someone who's competitive, that has a good work rate that, you know, is going to compete without the puck and is going to fit what the team was building last year. And kind of what, you know, Zito is looking for. I mean, you look around, the forward group, you look around the defensive group, you know kind of the traits that they're really they, When he came in to run the Panthers three years ago, he instantly made it harder for teams to play against him. You know what I mean? Uh, because one of the things that he did, I mean, his first move was training for Patrick Hornquist. That was a sign that he right. wanted his team to be much harder to play against. And and he yeah. kept Patrick Hornquist around. Oh, yeah, he's you working know, he's... in the organization now. And, like, that was a sign of what this team wanted to become, right? You have Nick Cousins. You've got Ryan Lomberg. Ryan Lomberg's really annoying to play against. That dude is a gnat, you know? And Sam Miscavige has the skill level to play in that kind of way, right? He's really talented, in that sort of sense, you know, and the fact that he made it and he earned it, like this wasn't a charity. Of course, you're not going to be charitable when it comes to these things, but you got to earn it. Right. And he earned it. And I think the line that he's going to play on, he's going to play with Lundell and Reinhardt. I think that's the perfect line for him. You, when you have a guy like that, you don't want him playing with fourth liners. Like that was the problem with Owen Tippett. When he was in the NHL for his cameo before he went back to junior, he was playing with the fourth line. That didn't make sense. You know, with Barkov, I saw a lot of people wanting him to play with Barkov, and I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible. Like, playing with Alexander Barkov is the highest privilege you can have on the Florida Panthers. That's got to be earned over a long period of time, or it is something that is so obvious you can't not. Like, when Verhage came in and he just had that instant chemistry with Sasha Barkov, like, you're never going to move him around unless Barkov's hurt, and cross your fingers, he's not. And Evan Rodriguez comes into this team as somebody who has the track record of being a very good player with Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon. And so he steps right into that role, and it makes perfect sense. Now, Mackey's game, I want to see how it develops, but, like, Sam Bennett is hurt. But when he is healthy, like, does he necessarily fit playing with Bennett and Kachuk? I don't know about that. But he fits right. perfectly, I think, with Lundell and Reinhardt in the kind of game they play. And that's going to be really interesting to watch. Because I want to see it. Like, if he sticks for the length of time beyond just necessarily a cameo this year, that's huge for this organization because he's their last first-round pick for a very long time, and they need players on entry-level contracts to become key contributors because their cap situation's already a little tight, and next year they've got a lot of players who are coming up that are going to need raises. You need guys who are going to be on cheap deals to stick. And Mackie Samuskevich might be the most likely to stick. And so him earning this job, and I hope sort of sticks too, is a really key moment for the franchise. And it further, you know, enhances our theory about players that go directly from wherever their junior stop is to the NHL yeah. sometimes have a better chance to develop than the guys who spend time in Charlotte. But yeah. that's great for Mackie so, Samuskevich. I'm really excited to watch him play and to see how he plays against NHL opposition in NHL games. And if he continues on this path, I see no reason to see why he would have to go back to the AHL again. 
No, no. And and I mean, because the guys that are competing for the next up spots, I mean, we're talking Alex True, we're talking Rasmus Asplin, William Lockwood, Patrick Giles, Ryan McAllister. Like, those guys are better served just staying in the AHL and getting called up and getting, you know, for injury duty and, and that kind of stuff. And they always have Mayhew and Dalby in the back pocket. I mean, there's just there, there's enough guys there, but none of those guys I mentioned are guys that you're going to feel comfortable putting in the on the third line for more than a game. You know, like that's not that's not your plan. Here's, the, here's the really interesting part about the Panthers and why I I don't worry about them as much as some people do when it comes to the playoffs. Like we always focus on centers first and foremost. The Panthers yeah. are preposterously deep at center. Like, when they're fully formed, Los Duranen does not have to play at center. And he's a really good center. You know, you might see him yeah. not play at center because of injuries, but more often than not, he doesn't have to. And that's extremely good depth. You know, Reinhardt can play there. You don't necessarily want to see it, but he can. Like, last year, Lundell they played on the wing. They have eight players who can play center. I mean, they have so much depth at center, it's preposterous. So you are going to be successful when you have that level of depth and the winger depth. They've got enough guys with skill who can play in those key spots, but also because of the centers you're playing with, you don't worry about that sort of thing. Like I know there was some consternation about Nick cousins playing with Bennett and Kachuk again. And I understand that because it's not a long-term solution, but it was such a good line in the playoffs last year because Cousins' game matched what Bennett and Kachuk were doing and what that line was asked to do. A line that, as we know, Jim Montgomery conceded against in the playoffs <laughs> for the best regular season team in league history because that line was so effective at what it was doing. He's like, we have to make hay against everybody else. We can't stop Bennett, Kachuk, and Cousins, which was incredible. That was nuts. I can't believe you saw a team do that. That is the kind of depth that they have at center, and it allows them to build from there. And it's incredible, again, most of last postseason, Alexander Barkov and Matthew Kachuk barely ever played with each other at even strength. It's crazy, and that's a good thing when it comes to their forward depth. And adding guys with potential and upside and skill in those roles, I'm so excited to watch that for the forward group. And also, the other point that we should make is last year the Panthers were like 30th in the league in scoring below expected. They were unlucky because of decisions they made, but they were unlucky. We always talk about creating your own luck on this show, and it is a, a truism that for me is always true, but odds are they're not going to be 30 or 31st in scoring below expected this year. If they cut no. that by half, they don't have anywhere near the same level of problems early in the season that they do. And that is so yeah. crucial it, for this team. They don't they have to get, be above expected. They just need to be average. And I if mean, they're average, just closer, look at what they can be. Or just under, but closer. Yeah. Like, if they're, like, three or four goals under expected, that's plus 20-some goals expected. And this was a Difference. team that last year was if still one of the best correct. expected goals teams in the league. They were one of the best shot-controlling teams in the league. That didn't go away. I know the, they play differently in the playoffs, but from a regular season the, perspective. You, you you have to imagine the team didn't change that much except outside offensively, outside the defense. You know, this team didn't change that much offensively that 
I think that's going to change. You know what I mean? Like there's just enough guys coming back that if healthy, you should be able to expect that sort of chance creation and possession again. Uh, I, it's just the way that they're built. It's what those players focus on. And I mean, and they brought in guys who maybe wouldn't have been my first or second pick, but you know, are big bodies that are good at possessing the puck off a forecheck, which is what they try to do with some of their lines or try to do against some teams or in some situations. And they need players like that. So it's just going to be fun. It's it, uh, offensively, defensively. It's like, what can they get away with? You know, who's got chemistry? Who's let's, let's spend some time talking about this from a defensive perspective, because we know the seven that have made it. Belinsky's made it, which is cool. And again, Scout Europe, five right. players. If they can stick, they can stick. It's free money. Why more teams don't do it, I have no idea. But And, and I have no... And, and you know, if you're telling me, did he earn it over Ludwig enough for Ludwig to be on waivers? Yes. Are you tell- But Mike Riley? No. Okay. But that, that's a different thing. But I... you know, but what did I you think, think about... I, I saw highlights so, of OEL... In some of these games, I know he didn't play he was, the last preseason game, but I saw some highlights and was like, okay, it's going to be a lot to ask of him early in the season because that's not who he is anymore. But I'm thinking about the long term when Ekblad and Montour return, and you see some of those elements of OEL's game, you're like, I see what they saw. I understand what they are trying to do here, I, and I can see what this could possibly look like when fully formed. For OEL, I was I was betting on his passing coming back. He's on a team that moves well. Like they skate they skate through lanes, they transition well, they present good passing options to the defensemen, defensive partners to defensive partners. Um, it, it's it's easy, you know, and passing is something that, you know, for defensemen, they don't, it doesn't really leave them until you know that's probably one of the last thing to leave them, even after their shot is is their heart is their passing ability, and you know so I was betting on that. His hands are better than I was expecting, but the the biggest question mark for me is what's his foot foot speed like pivoting and handling one on one matchups at full speed, and uh, later in games if he has to play more than 15, 16 minutes. That's something we're not going to know until, you know, November or, or something like that. But he, He's going to get tested nothing, early because he's playing with Forsling on yeah. his offhand. So. Yeah, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say it's not going to work out so far. But he hasn't answered the questions that basically got him bought out in Vancouver, which was he could not keep up with anyone who drove wide on him. He could not even do what Stahl did, which was just position himself well enough that he could mute a lot of plays before it got to that, or like at least knock off possession and just make it a puck that goes into the corner and live to fight, you know, another another moment, another puck battle. Um, so if he can figure it out and, and handle it at an NHL pace, at least to Mark Stahl's level with that. Um, which is something totally attainable, right? Like we're not talking this hugely high bar. Um, then it's going to be a, a solid signing. Uh, and then it's just about what you can get out of them 
in the playoffs. So what it looks like for your pairings on opening night, Forsling, yeah, Lillian. This is this was from practice from our friend Jameson, uh, works for the team. Uh, Mahura wasn't at practice, but he'll be back. So it looks like it's Forsling OEL, Mikola Kulikov, Riley with Belinsky's. I would expect Uvis to probably be replaced by Josh Mahura for this. But you could, you could. I just see, see what see what are people seeing with Mike Riley? What, I, think I mean, we talked about this. When he's they got a good Mike stride. Riley. He gets the puck and he drives it wide, and you're thinking like, okay, okay, and then you just realize that he's going to do nothing with it, and the puck's going to end up in the corner. Like, he's good, like, he can possess the puck, but I would rather somebody else have the puck than him because they're going to make better decisions with the puck, even if his decisions aren't directly negative, if that makes sense. Well, like, what I people see he was, is every time you see uh, uh, a chart from Micah McCurdy, every time you see one of those player cards from our friend Jack Fraser, Jay Fresh, or tracking numbers from Corey Schneider, like, he comes out great in all of them. Now, that is a key part of the story, right? But, that being said, is that there is more to the story than is, that. Is that historically, or is that just... No, his history? numbers have always graded out very highly on that. Remember the joke you made when we did the free agent show? You basically called him Patrick Weirkosh, which I laughed oh, at yeah. heavily because that was a great point. Yeah. Like, there are defensemen whose numbers in those areas come across really well, but then you watch them play and you're like, why is this not connecting? You know what I mean? For, for Mark Pissick, the issue was he wasn't very good at supporting his partner, so he often left his partner isolated on an island, and then him himself, when he had the puck, was isolated on an island so it limited a lot of passing options, caused turnovers, caused lost puck battles. But, you know, even though everything else and most of the shifts, he was doing good things, there's just times where, you know, so there's always something. And that's what I'm and, and that's what I don't understand with, with Riley is uh it it doesn't look like he's doing anything out there. And uh, you know, he's, I think, struggling defensively in zone. And I just, for me, there, you know, Bolinsky's was better. Ludwig was better when healthy. Uh, Carlson is pro I would rather have Carlson out there. And they're all roughly about the same cap hit and uh, probably have the same amount of value and impact. So I, I don't know. I'm interested uh, to see what it looks I can't like get in game. I, I, can't, I can't get over it because, like, it just, I don't know. It he frustrates you. It, I understand that. He but... hasn't made it with other teams for Like, he always the has those good cameos reason. like he did with Ottawa, he did with Boston. Yeah, and it was it's just the, the staying power. It's the staying power, and I think that there are other players with staying power, or at least guys that, you, if it's not about that, if it's not about long-term, you're saying, well, this is who's earned it. I think other people have earned it more. We'll see what it looks like on uh, in terms of how they balance it because their schedule yeah. is. He's it's thirty. Not... He's thirty. He's not a spring chicken. Like I just don't understand the priority given and the benefit given that other defensemen have just not gotten in the last two or three years in Florida. Well, it's so key, especially with Ekblad and Montour out, and we're not going to know how long they're out. I would hope that. They, they don't come back until they're truly ready to come back. And if they play well to start the season, apologies for interrupting, is 
if they build up enough of a bank of points early in the year, then you don't have to rush them back. And I don't want them to rush them back. They need to be truly ready for the playoffs. And any kind of worry of them playing while they played through gruesome injuries, which they did already, don't need more of that. I wouldn't bring them back before January 1st. Or, you know, whatever the first game is after the holiday break. But, you know, there's no... There's just no reason to rush it because you look at somebody like Dumba, right? He's a he's a player that was, you know, coming up in the league, a real offensive force from the blue line, good defensively and breaking up plays and ending transition, big hits, all of that. He has a terrible injury. You know, he, he tears his pec or whatever that muscle is called, you know, pectoral muscle or whatever. And he's never been the same player since. Was it because he was rushed back? Was it because, uh, you know, it, it just happens? It's he's just the one in two hundred or whatever, where it's hard. It doesn't re- really fully recover. But you don't want that to happen to Eckblad and Montour, two guys who are known for loading up and and taking one tees. You don't want these are shoulder. These are like that kind of area things that you know when you're swinging and taking shots and you know it's gonna affect you. Um, a boxing out and a lot of battles and stuff. You know you're using those sort of muscles and stuff to get position in front of the net and things like that. Montour's already a bit undersized. You know he's six foot. You know and and, and strong for his size, but you know some people call that undersized. But you know he's. You don't want to risk it because, in my mind, they're the two best defensemen Florida has had, and I'm counting Uyghur. Uh-huh. Oh, by the way, I, mean, I, I have to derail so, this because I just yeah. saw something come up on Twitter that shocked me. Okay. Uh, what do you think it is? Because uh, I don't think you know what this is. Panthers signed Patrick Kane. No, that no, I, I, uh, well, I'm not worried about that until they do it, and I don't think they're going to do it at any point in the near term future. No, it's another team, tangentially related to the Panthers. Tampa traded for a goalie. They did not. They're going to start Jonas Johansson uh, tomorrow night or tonight when you're listening to this. No, another team tangentially related to the Panthers. Uh, coaching right, staff. Hit me. The Winnipeg Jets have signed Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck to identical seven-year contracts extensions with an average value of $8.5 million. They deserve what they get. That's that's my one and only thought. They deserve what they get. I feel bad for Winnipeg because Winnipeg is much like Buffalo in that it's a very harsh place to live that loves hockey and has a great fan base that deserves better, but they just never get a winner. Year and year and year and year, they just do not get winners. They get losers. They get a loser mentality, and they they don't deserve it. I I, I don't get it, Winnipeg. I don't get why would you sign those contracts with those players? Time to turn it over, get a new GM in, all that stuff. That was this was the time. You could get a haul for Hellebuck. You you could get a haul for Hellebuck. Tampa. Right now, other teams, you could get a haul for Hellebuck. Maybe maybe they know something I don't since they've probably been on the phones and all that. You know, I'm ho- 
and and looking into it, but uh, this that's not. To I'm me, more this, shocked about those it, it. than it I was. It. I'm more shocked about those than I was about the Darlene deal, which I guess we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, the last Panthers topic I want to talk about. Uh, apologies for interrupting. I did not see that coming. Sometimes this happens when you record. Usually it happens after you record a podcast. Is goaltending, and we know what Sergei Bobrovsky is. Hopefully he's good enough to be the stable force that they need. Hopefully he doesn't play a ton of games. That's why you signed Anthony Stolarz, who is definitely in the Alex Lyon mold. Not just because he came from the Flyers organization and is a perfectly cromulent, you know, two-way backup or whatever. Uh, Stolarz is Alex Lyon if Alex Lyon pans out in Detroit. Because he's done it with a, you know, he's a back, he's come in, he's done, been a backup and handled it well on multiple teams you know, over the course of a couple of years. And that's what Florida needed. They could not take the chance that Lyon wasn't as good as he was last year for them. They needed somebody who, and, and to be honest, Lyon wasn't who they wanted because Lyon probably wanted a, a job where he thought he could compete more um, for, for games. And it wasn't going to be Florida. Detroit against Reimer and Huso, who's, and both of those guys are injured a lot, you know, he has a really good chance. Um, I think Bob's going to do great this year. I, I really do. I think um, be, there's something about, like, Bobrovsky at the end of the day um, is, is, is a goalie who, when he feels valued, when he feels like he's a large part of it, when he feels like he can accomplish his, you know, accomplish winning and accomplish his goals with the team, you get the best out of him. And I think there's no way that that playoff run he just went through where he stood on his head when he was probably in the locker room when they were down 3-1 and Kachuk was saying, you know, let's just get back to Florida. You know he was saying, yeah, just, just get back to Florida. I got you. You know, and he struggled no in those games, and then yeah, he turned it completely on its head when they started playing. There's Toronto. no way he didn't step up. You know, we might not hear about it as much because Kachuk takes so much of the attention um, and the media focus and everything. But there's no way he wasn't stepping up. Barkov, Montour, Ekblad, a lot of these guys, Forsling, weren't stepping up in their own way, demanding and you know demanding. Uh, the time demanding the pressure and saying, I'm going to do it. Uh, we can do this together. And I honestly, I honestly think that that is going to help them get through these injuries. If, if now this is, you, you don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to, I'm going to knock on wood here. I'm not going to speak. I don't want to jinx anything, but if the only, if you know you can get through Montour and Ekblad's injuries, if they come back in February, or whatever, and can get back to a relatively top end performance for themselves, if you know you just harness the confidence and the camaraderie and the ability to push through adversity that they did in the playoffs, because. I mean, they played through worse injuries. They played through worse circumstances than missing. I mean, I mean, they said it themselves last year. They were playing playoff hockey from 
New Year's Day on because they were in such a deep hole and they somehow found a way out of it. And yeah, so you've advantage. already got you've already got this team to play playoff hockey in a regular season, you know, when a lot of teams struggle to do that. I I so think we'll the one thing about Sergei Bobrovsky that I want to say is, you know, those nine games were probably the best nine game, maybe the best nine games of his career. Well, they could be the best nine games of anybody's career. He was that good. <laughs> He doesn't need to play like that in the regular season. He needs to be good enough for the Panthers no, to overcome just, the challenges and nine, good ten. enough to that he is steady and Anthony Stolarz is steady. And if they are steady enough and Spencer Knight is steady enough and he needs to just play hockey, as much hockey as possible to get his game back, and he can do that in Charlotte, hopefully the checkers curse. It's not really what, a curse, but you know what I mean. What Florida needs is 9-10 goaltending and 9% shooting. That's what Florida needs. If they can get that, that's that's 100% doable for this roster. They can get through these injuries. I, I, I truly believe it. Um, you know, everything's going to be interesting. Obviously, there's a lot of question marks in the defense. We've talked about it. Is Mikola going to be the guy? I mean, he's the only defenseman that's healthy right now signed behind that next year. So his performance is going to be... You know, at 27 years old, uh, you know he's the one of the guy. He's the guy that's going to be here long and is part of this. What is what does you know? How does that look? What does he look like in a Panthers sweater? How does you know he interact with the core group of players and on the ice? How does that fit? I mean, there's a lot of interesting things, and there, it, that's where the area. That's where you know if they are going to underachieve or anything like that. That's where it's going to come from is, you know, Mikula taking a while to adjust. Uh, Ekman Larson maybe, you know. Is washed. Being, yeah. Or, or is, you know, a step slower than they were hoping. You know, Kulikov is, you know, only Kulikov. He can only do so much. Mahora struggles maybe on the right side. You, you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of interesting things. Obviously, the odds are in their favor, I think. You know, my bias opinion, but... Well, there's, there's one so thing about story, this division, and it's very competitive, that works in Florida's favor. And it's that the Panthers beat up on the teams in the Atlantic. Like, yeah. they have... You know, when they... Last year, they swept Montreal. They owned the Canadians. They were the only team to, other than Ottawa, to beat the Bruins twice in the regular season. And they did that. You know, they got five points out of eight from Tampa. They took three of four from Buffalo. They took, I mean, the Red Wings. They, the, the, the Panthers owning the Red Wings is not something you could have ever said, like, you know, for decades. But the Panthers, I don't know what the, the, the record is. I should look it up. It's like something like maybe like 24 out of 28 or something crazy against Detroit. Like, they own them. And as long as they can continue to do that and keep winning in the Atlantic the way they have, then they're going to be fine, even with the injuries, because that's what they've done. And I talked about this here, and I want to switch us to another topic briefly after I'm done with this point. The Florida Panthers, with all the moves they made, even with the injuries, raised their floor. They didn't necessarily raise their ceiling, but they didn't have to raise their ceiling. We already saw two years ago what that was, and we saw what it got them. As long as their floor is high enough 
and I think it is, considering everything else going on in the Atlantic with Vasilevsky's injury, with the questions you have with Boston because they have no centers, and Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo needing to make the leap, quote-unquote, and we don't know whether they're going to make the leap. I think they're all capable of it, but they haven't done it yet. You'll take the team that's got the higher floor. And the Florida Panthers, because of what they have even with the injuries, they have two of the top, what, 15 best players in the league? They, they, they have the higher floor. And with health, with consistency, with all the things that they have shown, they should be okay in making the playoffs. And where they finish doesn't really matter because everyone is going to remember what happened last postseason, right? And they're going to kind of occupy that Tampa-type mold where Tampa, after the President's Trophy, just got in and it didn't matter where they got in and what kind of form they were in because they knew how to turn it on come playoff time. This team can fit into that mold for sure, if they play up to their capabilities. And they're going to go through some tough moments because everybody does. But I think that they're well-equipped to come out of it wherever they end up in the division. I think if I was predicting it, I'd have them third in the Atlantic, somewhere around the 100-point mark. Perfectly fine. They don't need to win the President's Trophy. They just need to get in. And they don't need even need home ice. They just need to be there. Because once they see whoever it is that they play in the playoffs, should they get there, cross your fingers... When they see Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett bearing down on them, the thought process is going to be, oh crap, here we go again. And that's worth a lot. So that's, I think, if you had to predict the Atlantic, whatever it's worth, where do you think they would finish? Well, it really depends. Uh, it really depends if Brett Ritchie signs his PTO or not. I mean, if uh, signs a one-way contract or not. Uh, he's the big difference ma- maker to Florida for me. Um <laughs> But I no, I think, I think it's going to be, I think, you know, Tampa throws a whole wrench in my predictions. I was really, you know. Before Vasilevsky, I had them second in the Atlantic. I, I, I them know third, that sounds a little I crazy. I have third but... in the Atlantic. Mm. Uh, I have Toronto first in the Atlantic. I think they're a great regular season team. Toronto can win the President's Trophy, and I don't mean to say that as an insult. Yeah, but I mean, like, they're, they're a great regular season team. I back them to win the Atlantic until, you know, they consistently don't or there is they nobody that has team. a high as a regular season ceiling yeah, as the Maple Leafs do. I, I still think they'll have the same playoff troubles and I'll laugh at them and all that good stuff. And then, you know, I had Tam- I had Tampa at, at two in the division and I had Florida at three. I think now Florida has a good chance at two in the division with, with Vasilevsky being hurt. Uh, definitely evens the playing field with Montour and Ekblad. You know, those early games in the season against each other, can they? I mean, the Panthers don't play Tampa until middle December, and they only play them three times, which is stupid, but okay, NHL scheduling formula. Uh, but, like, the, the, to, to me... That's so, man. That's, yeah, that's it's, it's so. dumb. It's dumb. I don't like it. The The key for me, as I say, is just is like do they have to chase it early because last year they started okay and it was november december where things fell apart you know what i mean now this year if they start well enough and they play well enough they've got opportunities to do that it's going to be hard but it's not going to be completely out out of the question i yeah i mean you know do they have to chase this early and that's really the they should for me I, yeah, and I meant Chase in the same like, sense of, like, they've started in a hole and they have to bring injured players back yeah, earlier than they should. I, what, what I don't understand is, like, people penciling in the Boston Bruins to be first or second in the division, 
but worried about the Panthers missing the playoffs. The Panthers have centers. The Boston Bruins do not have centers. And, and that's uh, I think where Boston be... was the hardest evaluation for me because I, I, you know their defense is awesome. You know they've got great goaltending. But at some point, the fact that you don't have centers in a division with a lot of elite centers is a problem. And it's not, and it's not like Swayman and Olmark are fa- like they're good goalies. They're system goalies. When the team's playing great, they can really get on heaters. But there's a reason they share the net. They're they are not not one of them is a starter. And we saw what happened in and, the playoffs last year, where Olmark just fell apart in games five and six, and Swayman was not great in game seven. Yeah, they lost Orlov. You know, who I thought if they could re-sign would bolster that team and protect them from some of the center depth loss. Uh, I was unimpressed with McAvoy down the stretch and in the playoffs, personally. Uh, You know, it's going to be interesting to see how that team moves forward. I think that they're a wild card team, first or second, or or the first team out of the playoffs. But, you know, I think that they're... I, I think Florida and Toronto are just, uh, and Tampa are just above Boston. If any of the three, just, if any of the know, three, the Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, Troika, I think it's, it's going to be Buffalo. Step. I think it's Buffalo. Yeah, I, and, and it's going to be on the back of Devin Levy. I think he's going to be the starting goalie by the end of the year. And he's Is that be, one of the best win-win trades in recently? No, history? I mean, it's going to go... I mean, to be honest, if... Let's just say he becomes a top starter for the rest of his career, um, it's going to go down as a bad trade for Florida. As I much know, as I, I love I, Sam I mean, Reinhardt. Sam Reinhardt's given them so much. Sam Reinhardt's given them so, so much, but if Knight doesn't work out and, and, Levy, and Levy does, and he becomes a top 10 starter for his career and he stays with Buffalo and his team loyal and stuff. That is a, I mean, could be a problem. Goalies, the value, when you get a good goalie, the value that good goalie brings you is better than any value. One player can put together, except maybe a Lemieux or if you want to say McDavid or somebody like that. But I mean, McDavid hasn't just taken teams to the cup and, and all that. And uh, what about this Darlene contract? I think it's I did I see it was eight years eleven AV? Yeah, that's high for me. I mean, there's only so many players I'm willing to give eleven million dollars and ninety percent of them are centers. The I don't if you're telling me that I love Rasmus Darlene, I love Swedish defenseman, I love I would do unspeakable things to get him on the Florida Panthers, but one of those things I wouldn't do is pay eleven million. I just think it's too rich. I think he should be more nine, nine and five with Fox. Uh, but I still rate Fox as a better defenseman. The thing that's missing with with Dolan is, like he's like a Montour type defenseman. He's like a Uber Lamborghini, super luxury sports car version of Montour. Well, well, the the crazy thing about the your Lamborghini metaphor is how Lamborghinis act and old school Lamborghinis are completely bonkers insane cars and and, that's Montour what, and that kind of defenseman. And, and so, so I like Stalin, the metaphor. He's all over the place. He takes a ton of penalties. He gives up a lot of odd man rushes and he isolates his partner a lot and it ca- and it causes some some real defensive zone uh circus acts and 
you know, I think he's one of I think he's probably one of the top ten best defensemen. I just don't have him in that first half. I think there's defensemen I'd rather have like Quinn Hughes uh, in the middle of that top Bureau. ten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I me, mean that's a given. But Heiskanen still. and Makar are kind of on their own. There's then there's Fox. Then there's maybe Yossi still there. Headman, Hughes, you know, and then you know Darlene's kind of in there, right there at that point. And to me, that's a nine million dollar defenseman. We don't know the cap's going up. They keep talking about this exploding cap. The cap projections they leaked from the GM's meetings or the Board of Governors meetings they just had, I forget which it was, was lower than what it was when they set it at the draft by like a million and a half already. The season hasn't even started. You cannot say, oh, well, in five years, this is going to look great because the cap's going to be blah, blah, blah. No, if it's going to look great, it's going to be because Dalian becomes a top five defenseman. And if he doesn't, that contract's going to be a little hefty. If I'm Buffalo... And this guy's about is and Darlene saying, "Listen, this is the contract I'm taking, or I'm gonna leave Buffalo. I'm gonna throw a hissy fit. I'm gonna, you know, go public and everything. Then yeah, fine, you pay him because he is probably your team's best player. However, you have Thompson now, you have Owen Power. You need What's to his think next about, contract gonna be like. You have to think about the cap structure." It's it could it's potentially possible that Owen Power is the better defenseman at the end of the day than Darlene as much as I like Darlene. That's possible. And you know, what's the cap structure? You look at teams that compete annually, have record success with cups in the playoffs, they're teams that lock in their core at a good price and then do a nice cap structure where everybody else falls in under them. Kings, Penguins, even Tampa. You know, you look at those cap hits, they're not they weren't they weren't super crazy at the time. Well, it's because they had guys like, you know, the Sergachevs of the world and the Chernaks yeah. of the world and the Coltons and guys like that who were cheap around the elite players that they already yeah. had, and then they kept backfilling when they lost some. There's only one or two guys at each position that get to demand whatever they want, and Darlene isn't that. He just happens to play in Buffalo, a market that's starved to attract players and keep players and to win playoff games or even how make the playoffs and they kind of force themselves i think they kind of have to take it but i mean darling can ask for this contract but you i i think it's incumbent on the sabers hockey ops to get this lower get him in the nine nine five even if it's you know for less you know for five years or whatever six years because Everybody, you know, you you have a lot of good talent, and if you're the team you think you are, you have to pay Devin Levy. You have to pay. I mean, what's Thompson? He's got paid already, right? He did get paid, yes. So he he's already, already paid like, Dylan Cousins. Eight. Yeah, Thompson, mean, Thompson's deal is really cheap, and if I I'm like Thompson, what... I, if I'm Thompson, I'm looking around like, what the fuck? Well, you know, like seriously, like I took a huge discount for what I am. I, you know, he's a six seven six eight point per game center, who's going to be like a 45-45 player, maybe even a fifty five a fifty fifty player. Like I, you know, he's smooth. He can he can he plays defense. Everyone loves him. He's marketable. And you and you and you got him down to that, but you give Darlene eleven. I don't get it. Center like this guy is your 
is going to be more important, I think, even it, though Darlene might be more important right now. It is. It is a fascinating day with some contracts. There are three. Those are it's three not, whoppers. It's not, it's not an awful contract. Like, no, no, no. Me, it's not a bad contract. Win, Winnipeg situation is they're not bad contracts, but it's like wrong timeline. Like, what are you doing? Those guys are going to be old. Darlene, it's defensible. You can live with it. All that stuff. But there's going to be some consequences down the line, and that contract is going to get referenced by God. every nine million dollars for four more seasons, including this for Kale McCarr. And Mir- I have to look up Miro's because that contract is also completely insane. Like, yeah. Miro's yeah. is eight point four five for the rest of the day. De- Come on, <laughs> I know these I know. contracts were signed at a different time, but like, also by but the way, I would much- say. But if I was doing an awards prediction, I- I'd have Miro winning the the. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the Norris I would yeah I mean he's likely I mean McCarr I mean it's just Quinn Hughes fastest to 200 assists Rossman Stalin doesn't even have 200 assists yet Quinn Hughes getting the captaincy is is quite cool though that that that's neat yeah um, uh it would have been great I mean like yeah there's just so many there's just so many other things Ekblad 10 plus goals for four straight years off the LC uh, I think it took Darlene four years to get the 10 plus goals. Interesting. You know, like there's just so many, like people can point to, he was great as a teen. He was this, he was that. Yes. But the guys who are making, you know, double digits are guys who have either, who just absolutely dominate and are centers or the defensemen who have done it in the postseason. Or your Leon Miro, Dreisaitl, pretty Miro much. Miro Heiskanen in his second year put up like 26 points or 25 points in 27 playoff games in his second year in the league. Led the team from the back end. You know, he just went on another pretty deep, sizable run last year. Uh, and, you know, this is a team where every year the owner calls out the captain and the assistant captain, the two big forwards, Ben and Sagan, for being basically anxious. For the team, yeah. And he's still doing this. Him and Pavelski, you know, he's he's got gray beard Pavelski and they're and Rupa Hints and they're just, you know, Jason Robertson and they're just running train on people. But you know, it if if they can do it, Buff you know, Buffalo collapsed. If Darlene, you know, brought them into the playoffs I don't know, it's a different story maybe goes on a run in the playoffs, it's a different story. But, you know, you look at Makar, he's done playoffs. He's he's performed in the playoffs. He's won a cup. You look at Heiskanen, you know, they both, you know, rate a little better in Norris voting. They both, you know, are a little more consistent in all categories of microstats and things like that and, you know, just have better results in raw data. And I don't know. Not to say anything bad about Darlene, but... A lot of Buffalo fans in the mentions today, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that. They have a defensive fan base, and, and you know. Well, I, I wish them nothing but the best. I wish uh, them nothing but uh, Genesee and Buffalo wins. Uh, anyway, want to get to some uh, hockey culture stuff uh, on the show. I said we're going to talk about it. There's a lot of hockey culture stuff. I wanna, I'm want to. i not going to spend too much time on it. We will I, at other to points. To be honest... I didn't when you said like I want to talk about hockey culture stuff. I was like, which of the six? Oh, there's things? like there's like seven. Um, yeah. Firstly, and it comes to just what I want to see these the sport do and the sport to understand. 
Uh, the first of which is like I don't. Everybody's heard about Kevin Constantine. He's suspended until the 2025, I think. The rumors going around are as bad as you think they are, if not better, uh, if not worse. So that's nasty. Uh, you have the story from Michigan where the player on the team who has been kicked off the team, I think it was Graffiti Gaislers on the Jewish the Jewish Center. Really, really bad to see that happen. You also saw the story of Kai Uchez, who is now the captain of the Red Deer Rebels. He leveled a racial slur at a teammate and getting the captaincy. There was some context missing with that story. You have the NHL clarifying its you know, the no special nights thing. I think now it's also been confirmed that they're not allowing pride tape and warmups, which is so stupid. NHL cannot get out of its own way when it comes to this. Because, because of a couple of players, you know, doing something extremely stupid in the boy, boycotting. That's not what it and, was. And because the, uh, the culture, the culture is, Hey, if it's not about the on ice stuff, let's, Block it out. Let's push it Again, out. Again, I made my point. When Luke Prokop plays his first NHL game, and that will happen, are you going to ban pride tape and warm-ups? Good luck with you if you do that. That will be a very, very bad decision if you do. But my point about all of this is, what are we? Tr- what do I want from this? What do I, as somebody who covers this sport and as part of the LGBTQ plus community, what do I want? I want the NHL and all of these other teams and these leagues to learn here's what you can do to make this sport better for the people that we already know are there there are gay players and bi players in the league statistics and math tell us this it's not just luke they're all over this sport the culture of this sport has to be better and we're not going to get the culture of this sport with these kinds of stories nobody wants this culture to be defined by kevin constantine doing what he did or the NHL completely flubbing a situation because of the Pride Night stuff. Nobody wants that. I don't want that. The people who work hard to make this sport better do not want that, okay? What we want is this sport to learn and to grow and to get better because you don't want people being excluded from this sport. It's already exclusive enough because of how expensive it is to play it. You can't be running even more people out of the sport because of this kind of thing. And the example I'm going to give, and it's public knowledge, so I can talk about it, is uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, who obviously committed grave, heinous injustice with the Kyle Beach stuff, absolutely unacceptable behavior. Kyle Davidson invited, yes, he is my friend, but invited in Brock McGillis to speak not just to his prospects at development camp, but the full team during training camp. No NHL team has done that before. And while, again, Brock is my friend, so I think every NHL team should be doing that, the Florida Panthers included, that is sowing a sign to the world that we are going to try and learn from what we did, and we're going to show you actions. We're going to show you our work. This is what I want to see these teams do. There are other ways besides Brock that you can do this. You can bring in Sheldon Kennedy. You can bring in a whole host of other people to improve the culture of this sport, because it has to improve. What's happening here is not acceptable. What Kevin Constantine did, he got suspended for two years by the WHL, so what he did was clearly bad. You've got to learn. And when it comes to the situation with, with Uchaz, like, we have to talk about what these players did. It's not just, you know, an off-ice issue or speaking about it in vague terms. You need to say what he did. And then you also need to say he was in diversity and training 
from the WHL that was mandated. And you have to show your work. That's what I want to see. Show your work. And show you are willing to improve. If you're going to do the stuff with the Pride Knights that the NHL is doing, and anybody can read the tea leaves to see what they're doing and read between the lines, okay? Then you need to, as a National Hockey League, show me what you are willing to do to then say, well, I don't want to focus on all the negative things you're doing. What are the positive things you're doing? Show me that, please. I understand that it is very difficult to change institutions, and I mean institutions in that sense of, like, changing something that is slow and sometimes ossified. It's easier to change the behavior of people rather than institutions. I understand that. But the National Hockey League has an obligation to do better. You know? You have to do better. Because I don't want this league to lose fans and potential players and the potential that this great sport has because the NHL doesn't know how to react when this kind of stuff happens. And the people around the sport don't know how to react when this kind of stuff happens. Because one day soon, there might be a player that comes out. And he could be a star. And will they be prepared the day that that happens? But also, how do those players feel right now in the league seeing what they're doing? And they could be out to their dressing rooms for all we know. I don't know. You have this, it has to be better. And I know there are signs. Because what the Blackhawks did is a sign that there are people in this sport that do care. And there are people in this sport that want to make it better. And want to try and change. But that is going to require you to show your work. And put in the effort. I'm not going to take statements without action. The Chicago Blackhawks still have a lot more to do beyond just inviting Brock in to talk to you know, the prospects and the main team. And I, I know what Brock talks about when he gives these discussions. They're, he's not holding back. These are tough discussions that need to be had. And I highly encourage the Florida Panthers and every other team in the league to invite him in. I honestly believe it should be mandatory, but that's neither here nor there. If anybody listening to this podcast from an NHL team, including the Panthers, wants to reach out to Brock, I can help you reach out to him. Shouldn't be a difficult thing for you to do. And he will gladly come in whenever you want. He'll come in for your pride night if you are willing to put in the work and show that his presence is worth it. And I know a lot of other people who want to improve the culture would would do the same thing. It's on you guys to do it. And when I don't see the work being done, the only thing I can focus on is the negative. The only thing I can focus on is what, you know, the NHL is doing because it got embarrassed by the Pride Nights fiasco that they could have figured out themselves. And they didn't want to do the work to make it happen, so they got caught flat-footed. And now they've overreacted and perhaps caused more damage. I would say they might have caused more damage. Individual teams can figure out ways to be better. The league can figure out a way to be better. But you have to be willing to open your mind, do things that are going to make you uncomfortable. We always talk about putting players in uncomfortable situations in order to make them better on the ice. You have to do that off the ice, too, when it comes to changing to make this sport better. Because I don't want to see the day where we see another horrible story, not just from the past, but from the present. Like, the Kevin Constantine stuff is happening right now. For all the strides that this league and the sport has made, we've got a long way to go, man. A really long way to go. And all of this is tied together. I'm not comparing it to any other sport, because every sport has problems. All of them do. With the issue that I focus on, every league has problems with that. And it's going to take a lot to change it, obviously, but there's more work that has to be done. And in my focus on hockey, 
there are people out there who are willing to help. And I say this to the NHL, I say this to teams, I say this to players. And there's going to have to be a player like Connor McDavid, you know, who has been very supportive to step up and say, this, this isn't, I don't, I don't want to, I'm going to, I'm going to put pride tape on in warmups. And then the league's going to have to deal with that. You know, it may be not Connor McDavid, but somebody like Matthew Kachuk made great comments after the Panthers pride night where the stalls did a really stupid thing. You know, these people exist. You can't, you, I can't change the way I am in terms of what my sexuality is. There are other people out there who can't change whatever it is on the spectrum that they are in the in this great community. The people who can change are the ones who think they can't. Yes, you can. So I wanted to get that in there because there's been so many culture stories that are just driving me insane and will continue to. Well said. They got to they figure this out. And you will hear a lot of cultures talk on why hockey because it is very important to me. It is part of my basic nature that I have to talk about this. As we start to wrap the show up, because it is going long, as many Y Hockey shows do, Flyers talk. Just briefly, they're going to be bad, but they intend to be bad. They know they're rebuilding. What do you want to see from the Flyers this year? I want to see every loss imaginable. Beyond um, the losses. <laughs> now, I am i don't know. They're, are they going to be good? I don't know. They had a good preseason. Fans are starting to get antsy. I could see some demands being made if they put too many wings wins together in the beginning of the season to to push for the playoffs. I'm worried about that. Um, but ultimately, it's like, you know, what is Owen Tippett going to be? He's going to get spoon-fed a lot of great opportunities. Can he do something with it? They have a bunch of guys uh, who I'm really trying to get a sense of, like, how good they are or, like, where they kind of fit in a future core for a rebuild. Tyson Forster being one, um, another, you know, Noah Cates, like, is he only going to be kind of like that defensive minded support scorer? Um, Joel Farabee, like, will he care enough to reach his full potential? Uh, Morgan Frost, like, you know, he got a sizable contract, 2.1 million for two years. And other than, you know, the last 30 games of last season, he hasn't really put it together. Um, at least he didn't get Mike Matheson's con- contract for the for the same amount of work. But uh, I didn't think it'd be that much. Um, so, like, can Morgan Frost be, you know, a, a, a first-round pick sort of player in the NHL? That, that'll be interesting. And then their D's of freaking mess man i mean we mark stall we don't excuse me last year we spent a lot of time about mark stall on the ice let alone off it and then they got sandheim ristolainen which between them costs more than darlene and wow um you know if sandheim can get some of that value back maybe he becomes a trade chip but the no trade clause hampers them a lot uh so maybe they just kind of have to ride it out what about the training camp you obviously have two um swedish defensemen that you obviously were huge fans of andre and uh helger grans yeah i I really think grans is going to eventually make the team i don't think they will kind of want to bring him up now and kind of feed him those those minutes they're much happier with nick sealer mark stahl sean walker type you know, defensemen just taking those minutes because at the end of the day, you might just get banged up and bruised. Then 
you know, they have to make something Zamula. So uh, Igor Zamula, who I've been waiting to get put on waivers for a while for, a while for the Panthers to pick up. Ah. Um, but, you know, he looked good in camp. Uh, Andre, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to try to see some of the defensemen uh, in Lehigh this year, uh, which is close to me. Um, they look good, but they just – I. They weren't so good that you want to play them in these minutes, especially when you have so many uh, veterans available to you. Um, they don't have as many as Florida, obviously, but they have a good amount. Uh, well, also, I think know. the story is, you know, is also Couturier and Atkinson are playing again. And that's good yeah. to see them returning from injury, obviously, because, you know, you want to see them not just play hockey, but I'm... live healthy lives. Yeah, Atkinson, you know, like... That's an injury you knew he was going to return from. You know he's probably going to have a, a decent career. He'll probably finish out his contract in Philly and then probably re-sign and retire in Columbus, I bet. Uh, he's 34 now and he's got two years left. Uh, Kateri signed for a while and, and is 30. He's had That's the bigger question mark. I mean, he's missed way more time than Atkinson, but Atkinson missed sizable time too. But... He missed almost all last year pretty much. Yeah, and but you know, Kateri has missed like two years, and his is a back. You're not sure how it's gonna go, and at the end of the day, Kateri is the guy. Like to me, if they're gonna give a C, like if you tell me who's, if they're gonna make the playoffs this year or next year, it's gonna be because Kateri just goes into who he was before he was injured, which is a number one center who just dominates defensively dominates regaining possession and turning it into scoring chances and can put enough pucks in the net himself to be useful in the power play. Uh, if they can get that, then things start falling into place. If it's like, okay, he's got a couple years left, then, you know, you can start being like, okay, he can be a mentor towards the end of the rebuild. He can help with, when Mitch Goff comes over and, and some, and, you know, Cutter Gauthier is coming from BC at the end of this year, most likely. I don't think they can hold him off more. You're going to need guys like that on the ice, on the bench, you know, playing playing with them on the same line and stuff, not on injured reserve. So getting him usable, playing every night or playing most nights, you know, even if it's not 20 minutes, but getting like a second-line center performance out of Couturier the next couple of years would be huge for them. Uh, and, you know, would really dictate where this rebuild goes. Uh, I think less so with Atkinson. You know, he's just kind of a support piece. If they can get some goals and stuff, you know, he's just going to help sell some tickets this year, bang in enough goals, keep things competitive and stuff. But I don't think there's any sort of re-up mentor sort of plans for him because uh, he's already stated so much how much he loves Columbus, uh, how he helped, he told Gaudreau to sign in Columbus and all this stuff. You know, I, I think uh, that's kind of where his heart is. His family wants to be when it's all said and done. So I think for the Flyers, it's going to be interesting to watch how the coverage works this year because the last couple of years it was covering a team that did not want to admit it was bad and was nowhere near what they thought it could be. This year, because there's a lot of goodwill, 
Uh, they drafted Mitchkoff, who is starting to play a lot better for Sochi, as everyone expected. So everybody could calm down about that, I guess. The fact that they are actually rebuilding, and they've admitted it, and they're one of a couple teams in the East that are actively not trying to win, you know, and trying to start the stage for a rebuild, the coverage, I think, is going to be interesting to watch this year. And just watching how you react to it, I think, is going to be interesting, won't it? Yeah, because... I, think, I think they're going to get very favorable coverage with Keith Jones as president, with Danny Breer as general manager, uh, towards this, a coach that's well Ryan liked. Boucher is the new lead yeah. color analyst. It's, yep. it's, 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 and... it's just moving the 70s and 80s Flyers posse to the yeah. 90s and aughts Flyers posse. And, and like Boucher and Jonesy are very much on the same wavelength. They're very much the same type of players. I mean, Jim Jackson is always one who will tell it like it is, but also will tow the company line. So it's I love be, Jim Jackson. I've been listening. I do. He's, I think he's awesome. I, I, you know, every once in a while I get tired of hearing him, but you know, it's because I've been hearing him for twenty some years because he's so good. Uh, so you know, he, I just need some breaks every once in a while. But he is one of the best in the business. But at the end of the day, I think the coverage Florida, I mean Philadelphia gets on the broadcast, in the paper, is going to be very much team sympathetic, empathetic, or if not team curated. Uh, I think uh, Philadelphia, well, Florida does too, but Philadelphia has a pretty pretty robust and far-reaching PR department. The Hockey Ops is on the same page and friends with the broadcast. You know, this is something where they don't it's not like they're it's not like they're going to be like this team can win and they're going to do all that they're just going to try to keep things temperate when it gets really bad they're going to try to keep the eyes on the prize when they're playing good they're going to try to get people to enjoy it and just be like you know it doesn't you know this team you want to see you know they're just going to try to always put things in the best possible light uh, because at the end of the day, Comcast needs to put enough butts in seats. That's why you're seeing Mark Recchi night. That's why you're going to see some other promotions as the season goes on. Um, and they're really leaning into gritty and torts and all this stuff because they need to stay in the public mind, sell merch, sell tickets, and, and be somewhat relevant because if you're looking around the Philadelphia market, the Phillies are good. Phillies are real good. The Eagles are undefeated. And the Sixers are at least at least dramatic and will be a playoff team. Yes. And the Union, who are also going to be a playoff yes. team. I cross and, my fingers that yeah. they actually win the thing, but I don't know if they're going to win the thing. I know. I know, because they're doing it the right way as far as MLS is. Oh, they, they they do it the right way in terms of just how to build a sporting yeah. outfit. I, I really admire what they do. But the and Flyers... The fans- Great. The yes. Union fans oh, are great. I mean, I love going but to games. Some of the best Philly Jester. fans. I know some you know, they're, they're diehards. The Union fans but, are great. Yeah. And, the union, and the people who cover the Union are great, too. So go follow them. Oh, if fantastic. Philly if you, if the, if that's, you should get into the Union in Philly if you haven't yet. They are yeah. one of the few Philadelphia teams I have like legitimate sympathies <laughs> towards. It's great. Don't, don't support Inter-Miami with their stupendous season ticket price increase for next year support uh, the philadelphia union baby. no i mean let's get let's get Lionel messi to one panthers game this year uh let's get him to a panthers messi, game. 
Leo Messi does not exist to me. He bought a World Cup. Oh, he, no, He no, bought no, no, league no, no, titles. No, no, no. This he is not the position of why hockey or its associated No, hosts. no, no. This is 100%. Leo Messi bought a World Cup, and Barca has been proven to buy league titles through refs for years. No, I'm, I'm not doing that. Messi to a yeah. Panthers game. I'm down with yeah. it. And uh, Messi's, Messi's great. Uh, he's better than Ronaldo. Anyway, uh, just no a couple way. other league's no topics. Way. Just a couple of other... Yeah, Bessie's better than Ronaldo. I will uh, Ronaldo's done it in the Premier League, which is the best league of all time. He won a treble from the Premier League. Nope, nope. In we his are prime. not doing this. Anyway. Messi, Messi is a product of Iniesta. No, that's not true. Uh, anyway, let's get to just some yes. other hockey talk. Let's just get to some yes. other hockey talk. Uh, Ronaldo's done it in how many leagues? Nope, nope. He's playing Messi for the Messi couldn't hack it Took in the blood money. Not happening. Uh, anyway, let's get take to blood money, but he's still a better soccer player. <laughs> took blood money. Anyway, let's go to uh, just some other topics you around the league briefly before you. Taxes is still what other money. topics around the league are you looking forward to seeing as the season begins? The Avalanche being good again and healthy. Jeez, I, did you they watch are that so preseason game with them in the Golden Knights? That didn't feel like a preseason yeah. game. They are so fun to watch. They they are one of the best. If you're staying up late to watch hockey and the Avalanche is one of your options, pick them. Like they most nights they're just incredible to watch. They have so many talented players, so many guys that the Panthers could have drafted if they just picked a little earlier in the draft. Uh, Miko Rantanen, Nate McKinnon. Yeah, I mean, there's on and on. There's there's a lot of them, but I'm I'm really excited. Uh, this is a big year to see if they want to keep Devon Taves or not. Uh, I hope they do keep him because that's a great fit. And if they don't keep him, I'm gonna be demanding Zito spend money on him and that might get weird in the UFA with his age and likely contract demands. Uh, but what if the avalanche are good and are healthy this year, they're going to be good when the avalanche are good. The NHL benefits revenue wise. Um, and I think the state of play, the avalanche are one of the teams in the West that push the play. The East is packed. You don't need one team to drive play and to get in to be kind of the the carrot that other teams are chasing and all that stuff. The West, it's it's a different ball game. I mean, it's pretty. It's a lot thinner out there. And to have the 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 Kings back on top with the Knights and uh, the Kings being the Avalanche. Sorry, that's very confusing. Um, yeah. Not the Los Angeles Kings, but with the Avs back on top, with the Knights defending champions, you can they can drive a, a solid Central and Pacific division battle uh, that could rival the East um, because you know Edmonton is going to come for it. You know Minnesota is looking to take the next step. Um, there's a lot. Seattle is definitely trying to pr- prove it's not a fluke. Um, there's going to be enough competition in the West that if uh, Colorado's out there, it's going to be interesting if they're healthy. Uh, I think they're obviously, they're always a fascinating team. And when they are at their best, I mean, they play some of the most beautiful hockey you can watch. It, it is it is the kind of hockey that gets people into hockey. And that's why they're, yeah. they're so cool. Unfortunately, Red, Red Wings fans won't want to hear it, but it's very, very reminiscent of 90s Red Wings, the way they can they can just seamlessly, fluidly transition up and down the ice and do kind of whatever they want um, and kind of skirt n- norms of, of hockey uh, 
I, I think Hockey there are going to be some, some really fun teams this year to watch. I mean, I know we're not particularly pleased with the Penguins because of John Ludwig, and I know obviously because of you and your, <laughs> your Flyers allegiances, but the, the Eric Carlson experience with the Penguins, I have no idea what that's going to look like. There could be complete insanity on the ice at times, for better or for worse, but I'm really looking forward to that because if, if Crosby and Malkin have one more run, I guess, I don't know if it's necessarily this year, but it could be. Uh, that team's going to be completely nuts to watch because they're going to be nights when they're playing 7-6 barn burners. And right. they played a couple of those last year. And, I mean, the league wants them in the playoffs. They know they are a brand-name team. I'm interested to see what that team looks like. I think the uh, the Oilers could obviously win the President's Trophy out of sheer like force of will of their two stars. But that doesn't matter because they need to win in the playoffs. I see a lot of people picking the Oilers to win the Cup this year. I can obviously see it, but I mean, know. is is Ekholm? Oh yeah, that I mean, that's you know, they, that's the big thing. Is Ekholm and Nurse and Bouchard good enough? Do they get? Is Campbell or Skinner one of them good enough? You know, like there's question marks because they can do the regular season thing, and they can pull Toronto, but. No, they yeah. absolutely have to win in the playoffs, and this kind of feels like it should be the year because last I year hope I mean, they the, get. I hope they get knocked out by Seattle first round. That would be oh, great. The, the discourse, great. the discourse would be intense. Um, I the Toronto Maple Leafs are actually going to be kind of boring this year because they're always boring, and I mean they're not boring and because it's the Maple Leafs, but they're boring because they're good in the regular yeah, season. Yeah, the questions don't come. Until yeah, they don't. They don't have any questions until April, so that's not an interesting. The team that. Uh, I think is going to be fascinating. Uh, there are the, all the New York teams are always because it's New York teams, but the Devils have a legitimate chance to win the President's Trophy. I think that team is incredible, and they might even get better. Like that that team. Uh, I gonna... hope they. I hope that they have a great year just to prove that Andrew Brunette is not some wit like you oh, know genius. Yeah, yeah, because. He he got a lot of credit for and, and you know I'm sure he's a great coach I I hope now he is a very good coach there's nothing wrong I, with saying that I don't but you know there there's um there's a lot he needed to prove in both Florida and New Jersey and I think he still has to prove in Nashville this year and it's just part of being a journey of getting to a head coach unfortunately it takes longer and it is as kind of steeped in tradition and those progressive steps because it is an old boys club because it's the same guys getting retreaded and rehired always but you know he you know it's not like he did anything that great to usurp that process but i do hope he does well you know i hope he can you know keep his golf cart in a straight line and those charges uh, were dropped those charges they were, were dropped they were so. good for him fight the law always uh, uh, because we don't and, like and, and obviously for luke pro cop reasons i have affinity to the predators but i also think that you know that's and look i have a i have it's a lot be more a affinity for the for predators him. than the other professional sports team in that market for obvious reasons uh on the subject of yeah, as you said, the Devils, I think, can win the President's Trophy. I think they really are that good. And they play, again, beautiful hockey. How much does it that It depends on the goaltending for the goaltending, President's yes. Trophy. Goaltending, yes. Uh, I, you know, that's a huge question mark. It could go well. You know, The, the New York a... Rangers are an interesting team because I think that thing is pretty fragile. You know, I, I think that yeah. thing's fragile because we heard about, I mean, Evgeny Kuznetsov is, you know, maybe an unreliable narrator, but... 
He was not pleased with Peter Laviolette. They play Lavi hockey, and this team has dined out on the power play, and Lavi had Ovechkin, and the power play at some times wasn't as good as it should have been. The Rangers are a team that need to win now. They already is. There's a lot of rumbling about Lafreniere, and that's concerning. Like, Dude, I think this team's probably fine for the playoffs, least, but I'm at concerned. Le- at least Florida can transition their top picks to the NHL. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll say that. I mean, they can guys, do that. The I, mean, Rangers, I think that no thing is fragile, left. and if, if it falls apart, it could be really spectacular. I want it to fall apart. Oh, well, of course man. you do, but... Uh, and, and the Islanders, too. Like, their fans were booing in the preseason. They are not happy with the way that team good, is being run. Good. Good. I want those two goalies to ask for trades because at this moment in time, Russian goalies are killing it. And uh, Florida's next heir apparent after Bobrovsky, whose contract only has three years left. He's playing this year out. So that means there's only two more seasons. But you're starting to get into the the area when you can move them and you might be able to move them. And his no trade clause goes down to, you know, something more manageable where he can just make a list of teams. He doesn't want to go to. And, you know, you kind of have to be ready and uh, I want the best of the best. And if we can run a team, a couple of these goalies out of New York, let's do it. Let's do it because they don't deserve it. They don't like the Rangers constantly, because they have so many fans and because they make so much revenue constantly get so much hype and so much benefit of the doubt. But it, other than Keandre Miller, they haven't really developed anybody. Um, they've been living off of a goalie, taking them far and then underperforming in the playoffs. They don't really have a great number one center. They kind of have an average one. Like they're just for the amount of money they spend and for all the hype and everything, they're so mid, you know. They're they're Minnesota mild sort of, but team. with a with a Broadway sheen on it. Yeah. in some yeah, ways. Yeah, with with a team that can't, you know, at least Minnesota can make Matt Boldy into a very good hockey player because he's a very good prospect. And you, like, it's not like Lafreniere. It's not like Kako Lafreniere were bad prospects. They weren't like you know like they they were good. They had some things they need to work on, but. They wanted to play them early. They wanted to stunt their development. They wanted to not give having one an NHL roster not playing NHL time. You know, like they they wanted all this and they have to have to sit with it. And it's not like they haven't run other prospects out of town and ruined a couple of Yeah. I mean Leah Sanderson, I did yeah. Problems. It's ridiculous. If they if they weren't New York City, they wouldn't even have if they weren't based in New York City. They wouldn't even have Panarin or Adam Fox, and they'd be absolute shit. I, I want to say I just saw was watching something unrelated on TV, and a New Era of Orange Flyers commercial showed up. And you know Good. the other thing you can talk about the uh, building up the uh, the fan service, the two logos at Center Ice. I forgot to mention that they did that. Beautiful. The jerseys are great. I mean, I, I wish there was some black to separate the white and the orange, like they did in the old days. But I guess they didn't want to do an exact copy. Uh, it's amazing. You look at, uh, I think it is Samuel Urson wears 33 and kind of has a Boucher-esque like pad and helmet. So like with the jerseys, it looks like Brian Boucher's in the crease and then you hear his voice and it's very jarring. Um, <laughs> Funny how but, that works. But Just like, wanted to mention that. They are pumping in nostalgia. They're, they know that people 
who are between 30 and 50 have the best, you know, the most disposable income. They're the ones that are going to bring their families to the game. They're the ones that are going to be loyal if they do all this stuff, if they bring back Mark Recchi. I mean, O'Brien, the other co-founder of Why Hockey, is so pumped. Rex was one of his favorite players of all time. Definitely one of his favorite flyers. Uh, uh, you know, Keith so Primo's in the front office. Yeah. Patrick Sharp is in the front office. It's it's very I mean, much. <laughs> and yeah, Danny Breer. I mean, he's doing good things. They're they're doing enough different where it gives you hope. But then they're also pushing the immediate gratification of like, hey, look, people complained about their jerseys for a couple of years. Now look, people. It's, the, people, it's just the right amount yeah, of fan service. Yeah, it's it's not obnoxious, come, but it's just the right amount. I mean, I think as the season goes on, they're going to lean in to as obnoxious as they can get because the season's going to get more and or less and less worthwhile to pay attention to, which, you know, is ultimately the goal, but they still have to sell money and all that, you know, sell yeah. tickets and all that stuff. By but, the way, one other, one other two pet teams I'm interested in, I mentioned on another podcast how I've been watching this offseason, uh, the secret base videos, histories of teams. They did one on the Seattle Mariners, on the Atlanta Falcons, and recently the Minnesota Vikings. I've said that the secret base history of the Vancouver Canucks is a video that I would watch the heck out of because that franchise is absolutely bonkers. What does Someone that team save look like? Quinn Hughes. Someone save Quinn Hughes. Quinn please. Hughes is a, a very good, uh, very good hockey Someone player. Someone save Elias good... Patterson. Please. Well, that's going to be interesting to see. And the other team in that is Calgary because now they have an arena financed by public money. Not great. Uh, but now the Jonathan they... Huberdo confidence tour is in session. I don't know if you've been seeing all the pieces. Oh, quotes they're trying like, to pump him up. Look, well, I... quotes for, no quotes from him saying like, I like last year, I did not have fun coming to the rink this year. I'm having fun coming to the rink this year. I have something to prove, blah, blah, blah. So I'm hoping he can put up 80 points this year. I'm rooting least. for him. I, yeah, Jonathan Huberdo is a, is a great person. You know, I think, when he was, I mean, obviously he was a great all-time Panther. I understand the trade, yes, but yes. like the it was made worse in Calgary because I mean Daryl Sutter was awful. I mean we know that, but also like you could tell he was seeing what Matthew Kachuk was doing in Florida, and he was like, "Ugh, that well, could have been me." The team imploded before he even got there, and that's why he was there. And that's just hard to come into. You're you're being asked to come in and be a savior. You know, the team's not really formed yet. They don't know how they're going to be. It doesn't go off great to the coach starts losing his mind because he's used to things going off smoothly. He's used to being in control and having everyone's buy-in, and now he doesn't, you know, and it just kind of goes from there. Uh, Calgary should be good. They should be a playoff team. I don't know about in the top three in division, but I think that they're in and around the wild card. Uh, their defense, I think, is too good, and I do think they get enough goaltending between Dustin Wolf and Jacob Markstrom. Wolf's in the AHL, though, to start the year. No, I, I, th- I said what I said. <laughs> I think Interesting. Dustin Wolf, Dustin Wolf is a, is a goal I've always liked since his uh, uh, WHL days. You know, he came in right after Carter Hart. And it was hard to tell the difference. You know what's interesting, and I'll end this podcast on this. Now that Connor Hellebuck has signed and is staying in Winnipeg, Connor oh. Hart might be the next That's a off-rumored point. goalie in trade talks for a bunch of teams that might need it. Cough, cough, the Los Angeles Kings. So um, hold keep on, your eyes peeled for that. If I'm if I'm Philadelphia, uh, if I'm Philadelphia, 
it's like you you just won, right? You now have the guy. If you, if a team wants a goalie, you now have the guy. There's a guy. It's a goalie. You know, Hart's a goalie. They can sign to their own contract. That's also going to keep the trade return, you know, somewhat more manageable. Um, but you, you, Florida. I mean, Philadelphia will get something sizable back for Carter Hart. Perfectly timed uh, for the rebuild. Now. I mean, is it something that, like, Tampa can afford if Vasilevsky's recovery doesn't go well or, you know, no. New Jersey? But, but, like, this, that's something New Jersey can afford. Now, you look at New Jersey and it's like, well, what are they going to do? How, how are they going to get that? Well, New Jersey can probably give a prospect or two, but New Jersey is only really missing their second round this year coming up of importance. That's it. They have, you know... The first three, the first round picks for the next three years, they have two of their three second rounds and all of their thirds. I mean, they can really throw some picks in there, and they also have some prospects. They also have some young players that are kind of, you know, still need some time before they hit their prime. And they've been able to move off of some already. You've seen uh, Sharon Govich is, you know, with Calgary now. That's someone they felt they could lose. Um, but that's the guys somebody... they traded to um, uh, San Jose for Meyer. Yeah, I mean they they're willing to move with some people, and you know if if I'm Philadelphia, you know some picks, and maybe Alexander Holtz or some picks and uh, Tobias Veland. I mean some better picks and, and Tobias Veland or uh, Simon Nevedek. I don't know about Nemich, but still. I mean, if you want Carter Hart, I mean, if you think you're there, you might you won't need that rookie. I mean, uh, look I'm at their just, defense. I'm just saying that that look, their that, defense that's a big benefit for the Flyers between, today. If they can get, I mean, their defense will be held will be led by Hughes and Hamilton. That's that's just we know that, right? But they have some good guys on defense. You know, Ball's going to be a sizable. Uh, you know, he's going to take up a spot for a while. Siegenthal is going to take up a spot for a while. I think they're going to keep Marino as a, as a decent piece. They, I think they can move off of it. And, and that's what New Jersey really is in a great spot where if they aren't doing great this year, they don't have to push it. If they are, they have the pieces to kind of start, not to go all in like Florida did, which was reckless and, you know, trading a first for Ben Sherratt and pretending like anybody else would do it. And, like, that was cool at the time. Um, but, like, you know, they have some The Devils winning window move. is terrifyingly long. Like, yeah. they, they so could they be, don't... like, elite for a decade. It's scary. Uh, but, anyway, I'm just saying, I it just occurred to me that the Carter, that, that the Flyer, like, I don't think... Carter Hart's prime lines up with the Flyers winning window and no, they and, have and do you they've want got some guys who can get them that? through the you know the rebuilding ish years and you know they've drafted a couple goalies so what hmm, what I wonder what's Carter Hart look like on the other side of that rebuild after dealing with all those years of losing and being shelled and all that you know <laughs> I wonder do you want that or do you want Seamus Casey a first, a second, and something else. You know, like what do you want? Because to me, I I move heart, and I think they can get a first, a prospect, uh, you know, a pretty good prospect, or a, a a top prospect and some other junk. And uh, to me, 
I I think that there is some love lost between Hart and Philadelphia, and I would just move away. And again, the thing in the back of my mind is we still don't know about the Team Canada 2018. Nope. And, and on that note, uh. It's already been over two hours, but why hockey can sometimes go that long? If you stuck with us, God bless you. I, I might need to give you more than a Blue Sky invite code. We will have interview shows. We will have more to come. Substack podcast. It is the season. Can't wait to watch it. I'm in a good mood. Tommy's in a good mood. We've been doing this a while, and this is some of the most fun we've had previewing a season in a long time. Maybe ever. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope everyone else is too. We will see you with more stuff very soon, and until then... Good night and good hockey.